because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, welcome to another Baseball Ops podcast. Special guest today, Walt Klein. Uh, Walt, I'm going to basically, I guess, simply define you as a strength and conditioning specialist. Is that a good Ooh. place to start? Um, I've gotten a couple different labels, okay. uh, sports science coach, uh, high performance coach, strength and conditioning coach, but I've, uh, but I, I wear one hat as a track and field coach right now at university of Virginia. I'm, I'm part-time with them. And you know, and I think there's two types of coaches out there. There's coaches that gone out and got the certifications and, um, are doing their best to coach young athletes, and then there's those who've done that and have gone out and built their own methodology and promote their own intellectual property. And uh, I'm more fascinated by those coaches. Not not nothing against the other ones, because I think the other ones are probably in the process of doing that, but you're one of those coaches that have developed their own methodology, specifically in the AMPS system. Am I correct? <laughs> yep, AMPS, AMPS training system. You got it. So this is this is uh, why I want everyone to hear about you, learn about you. You have a very um, simplistic system, or I'd say the other way around, very complex system that that you've made very sim- simple, and uh, therefore it, it 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 basically produces good results. Um, just going through some of the bullet points here, so people can can easily define what this AMPS training system is all about, which we're going to cover today. Um, it, it's a skills and tra- says skills and training strategies for the development and enhancement of team and individual athlete, athlete performance. So your obvious focus here is to um, not just build the basics of strength and speed and power, but to even help that manifest or transfer into the skill. Would that be correct? That's spot on. And what you said earlier is actually what I hope for when coaches look at the system. Um, and that is, I'm trying to create something that's, uh, very simple on the front end, but when you look closer at it, has a lot of complexities built into the back end. Um, and, and from where I'm standing, I don't, I don't see much of what I'm coming up with useful unless I can communicate it from a very basic standpoint to beginners and then still show where it's relevant to the advanced. Uh, so try trying to link everything from uh, middle school athletes to pro athletes. So talk about some of your accolades and also into some of the success your training methods have had. Um, well, let's see. I've uh, been working in the Mid-Atlantic region for about 10 years. Um, uh, one of the first things I was asked to come down here, it's uh, it's basketball season. We're just finishing up basketball season right now. So uh, 10 years ago, I had a, an interview on, uh, on ESPN and outside the lines um, and uh, NFL draft day for a, um, for a basketball player from George Mason who, um, who was trying to make a run at the NFL. And he was quickly trying to develop skills to showcase himself to, 
to break in. Um, that was one of my projects. The other projects were um, work with the Washington Nationals and cooperation with Kazoo Tamuka, the strength coach at the time. Uh, I, I did some work with off-season players and sometimes uh, certain players before games. Um, did work with a lot of NFL Combine guys. Um, I, I worked for a little while with Velocity Sports Performance, both in Alexandria, Virginia, and White Plains, New York. Um, then kind of jumped and did a, um, a military project with the Marines and Navy Research through the USMC Warfighting Lab. Um, they were doing a, a project and looking to re, uh, revamp their combat fitness testing. Um, and spent a couple of years working with them, which is actually where the red, white, and blue comes from in my model. Um, I, I started my business basically from a military contract when I was running a sports performance training center and, uh, uh, three colonels walked into my facility and said, uh, uh, you know, Colonel, uh, Colonel King down at, down at command said that you guys can help us. Uh, uh, you know, how can he help us? And I said, well, I have no idea. we got to get into, you know, what you guys do a little bit more. Um, uh, I, I got to learn a little bit more about what you do. And, uh, and so that's sort of started my work as a subject matter expert for the military. Um, then I, I hopped on with St. John's College High School uh, baseball team, who I've been working with for about 11 years. Um, St. John's had, has, has had massive success. Uh, their big thing is they wanted to cut down injury rates, uh, and we certainly did that. Uh, they also are, they're, they're kind of a small ball style team, and they wanted to build a lot of speed. Uh, we're at the point now where we can say kids coming in should expect to make somewhere between two tenths and, and five tenths of a second improvement in their 60 every year for four years in their program. Um, the reason I picked St. John's is because I was able to create what's called an Olympic model uh, or four years of development. So these guys don't, because they're a private school, don't really get um, – more than two weeks off the entire year. So they just keep on developing. Um, we don't work on the exact same skill all the time. We build variety in, uh, and we also manage the guys that are working multiple sport, but there's certain things that we make sure we keep on improving and keep on dialing up. Um, uh, also have the last, let's see that, that program in the last 11 years has put out, something like 110 division one players and, uh, spent, uh, I think, I think nine or 10 to major league baseball. Plus, uh, we had a first, we had a first rounder, uh, Nick Howard go to the reds a couple couple years back. Um, I ran into Nick at a, uh, a charity, um, a charity event at university of Virginia. Now, uh, another team that I work with is the Miller school, uh, Mavericks, um, Miller school of Albemeyer. That's Billy Wagner's team in Charlottesville. He had a charity game against uh, University of Virginia on their field, and one of the pitchers on that team was a St. John's player, um, Nick Howard. Uh, and Billy was actually wearing his jersey, and uh, and so that's the first time I saw him since high school. And uh, and and Nick walked up, and we caught up. And I said, "Now I got to ask you, I straight up, and, and this is this is so other kids will understand." You know, how is the stuff that we did worthwhile to you when you were in high school? Because we did a pretty extensive model at, at St. John's. Um, I'll tip my hat to St. John's. St. John's wanted to be good. They wanted to do this stuff, and they want to be competitive every single year. Is why they 
allowed somebody like like me to come in and, and, and build a model like this. And what Nick said was when he came in as a freshman, he was heads and tails above the other the other freshman from a skill standpoint. Hmm. You know, this is a kid who's six three, who's running, you know, six seven sixty, and they don't understand how he's able to run that fast. And he's got Olympic weightlifting skills. Uh, so he's not going to get blown up uh, trying to trying to learn the lift while he's playing baseball. He already has the skills. Um, and University of Virginia does a lot of Olympic weightlifting. Um, Ed Norchild does a does a fantastic job of um, of developing. I mean, obviously, just look at University of Virginia's baseball success, and you know that's a um, that's an exercise that requires a lot of skill development. And uh, and some guys, if they get into college. And that's the first time they're learning it. Um, you know, they're going to have to make some mistakes, and you can get a little beat up uh, uh, doing things like that for the first time. So, Nick explained that you know it, it, he was really kind of ahead of uh, of his class developmentally, maybe one or two years in skill development, um, and so he just was able to dial it up pretty quickly. Um, other work that I've been doing the last couple of years is. Um, I've been working with um, Raspberry Golf Academy in Leesburg, Virginia, um, and also working with uh, with with FlightScope uh, on a project called FlightScope University. That's um, uh, the swing coach is, is Pat McGuire, and the the, the mental and epigenetics coach is uh, Oscar Coetzee, and the three of us put together um, uh, um, a performance a performance coach model. Are, are putting together a performance coach model online. Um, as as an add-on for coaches um, after they learn how to use the the flight scope uh, monitors. That's cool. I love flight scope. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. The um, the Mevos that they're coming out with too, I, I think, are going to become more and more functional all the time. Well, I think um, that was the thing with them. They've been trying to get their price point. I don't know if they're trying. I mean, they're doing so well thinking with big organizations, but to get to the consumer, they don't really have something. At the, at a good price point of yet, and I think that that Mevo, what they're trying to get to that price point. I yeah, I I think so. I, I sat down with them with um, with Pat and Oscar at the PGA show last year, and you know where where their own where their owner principal owner uh, Henry wants to go uh, with this is you know high and low. Um, there's you know there's places like Raspberry golf academy that um you know they have a couple flight scope monitors but this is this is an ex- this is an expensive tool yeah. uh, uh for for some for some golfers uh to be able to take the smaller unit with them um and this is going to apply to baseball more and more as they keep on developing the programming yeah, um, i mean i can't wait till they can get something like the mevo into baseball yeah i'm i'm actually meeting with one of their reps on the 22nd i can't i can't wait for it because i want to i want to just uh, just brainstorm on some of the some of the ways that I think some of my model links together with theirs, and uh, yeah, those are those are fun conversations. Yeah, have you gotten into 4D motion at all? I have not, but I I, I love the way you guys use it. Yeah, it's um, pretty cool. Yeah, it, this most of the tech that I've encountered, <clears throat> what what it does is it usually points back to what I'm arguing within my model, right? And it's Look, here's the basics of what you need to start focusing on. Um, 
or maybe more specifically, here's the habits that you need to start forming. Um, I just got done telling, uh, going over this with the St. John's players yesterday where they had a regen day uh, midweek yesterday. That means, you know, get their, get their range of motion back, get their legs back. They're a little beat up from their, from their pace. You know, I said, you know, I said, there's a, there's a quote we keep coming back to, um, like Aristotle. We, we are what we repeatedly do. I said, there's another guy named John Wooden, the basketball coach that said that the, the habits that, the habits that you're creating now, uh, you'll have for a lifetime. And, you know, I keep on reinforcing to them how good what they're doing lately is. And that is, they're letting their guard down and they're giving it a chance and they're trying to do things that are very uncomfortable for them. And those are skills that they're just tapping into now. Some of them are running faster than they ever have before. Some of them are throwing the ball harder than they ever have before. And that's scary at first for guys because guys don't want to take a step back. They're competing for jobs. And so, you know, players and teams can get their guard up um, on development. Uh, they get comfortable doing something in little league or in, in middle school. And by the time they get to high school, they want to do what's been working for them. But when their body turns from a, you know, from a Chevy into Ferrari, suddenly some of the rules change and they have to make some adjustments. So I've always actually found baseball players to be the easiest to coach with movement biomechanics. And that's because uh, the game is so technical and they're already used to making adjustments with throwing and hitting um, for movement and speed. Uh, it, it just kind of apply the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just harder to get them to actually want to push some weight around. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go over the amp system. I, it stands for activation, movement, performance, strength. Yeah, from a from a from a very practical the modules within it. Now, it basically breaks into four categories. Uh, activation being uh, warm up preparation. Um, it's actually four different components: uh, general prep, range of motion, activation, and dynamic activation. That encompasses what I'm calling activation. Uh, a lot of times, when you say warm up to people, the um, the term itself becomes devalued and confused. Um, some guys think that just walking outside in, well, say like Alabama, we were talking about earlier, right. um, they think that's good enough. Okay. I'm warm. Let's, let's go. Right. But from a, from a central nervous system standpoint, they don't necessarily have a high level of control yet. Now this is more challenging in the mid Atlantic where we are. Um, and in, uh, in the Northeast, you know, you got to spend a little more time warming up your core temperature, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's also you know, you need to dial up that level of control. So guys will notice sometimes when they lift weights or they do medicine ball throws or some of the skills and drills, a lot of the, the great drills that you have built into your system, it'll, it'll dial up their control, their link between their hip and their shoulder, their separation, their drive from the ground through their core, all this stuff. You don't walk out of uh, school at the end of the day with all these things clicking. Right. You almost have to go back with a safety net and uh, and dial them up. So that's what the activation section is for, is to reboot. Um, and I'll tell you, I used I used one particular exercise this year. I do a lot of work with um, with diaphragmatic breathing with our guys. There's a, there's a lot of problems that, that stem from that. Uh, a really simple drill. 
um, is uh, is crocodile breathing. Um, I basically had a conversation with a coach at Virginia, and uh, UVA's basketball team employed that one. Um, and you know, it was just a simple way to lay down on the ground and use the ground as feedback and practice your diaphragmatic breathing. And like, if like a crocodile. Like a crocodile, yeah. yeah. And it, again, this is a this is a difficult concept for some kids to understand, but. When you, when you find a tool that's easy, like laying down on the ground, make your torso go up by breathing in through your belly, um, they pick it up a little quicker. So we started doing that one. Guys said it worked for them, so we kept it. Uh, and then once they did that, then we started moving around and taking their warm-up laps, but not until. And so, so, so activation is also putting things into order. Um, if I walk out of class and my basically my glutes and lats – are completely asleep or have amnesia from sitting and slouching all day. Um, there's multiple studies out there that, that talk about how um, our control and CNS is, isn't isn't active after after sitting down 30 minutes or more than 30 minutes. Uh, it takes some time for those to dial back up again. So, trying to create the link uh, in a in a short period of time effectively is the real trick here. So I created four buckets for activation, and again, that's general prep, range of motion, which depends on the day. Sometimes you need it more, sometimes you need it less. Activation, just making sure those muscles are firing and then going and dynamically applying them and um, putting this, putting together the basis of, uh, of locomotive patterns. All right, so that's activation. The next module is movement, which from where I'm standing – Movement to me breaks down into acceleration, <clears throat> maximum velocity, multidirectional, um, and recovery. Those are the those are the main movement categories that I deal with. Uh, when it gets more sports specific, I'm working with um, a technical coach. So movement specifically for for base for baseball pitchers. And golfers, um, or, uh, or or military or military jobs, um, I'll be working directly with um, uh, with 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 swing coaches or pitching coaches uh, to put the pieces in that help there. Um, for example, the golf swing is is rotational, linear, and um, and vertical. So a lot of guys. In their warm-ups, we'll have them do lateral sliding, uh, lateral skipping, and pay pay some attention to their hips, their posture, and some lateral motion. And a lot of times, golfers I encounter are very, very clumsy when they start. It's like, well, you know, part of your part of your sport is lateral, but you're not moving laterally very well. A lot of these muscles really aren't dialed up. So to put a little piece of the puzzle into their warm-ups on a daily basis over time – couple of months now suddenly these weaknesses aren't weakness, weaknesses anymore yeah um, you're, you're, you're sneaking them into their training model so once things are switched on rebooted then we start moving them and we start moving them in patterns and break them down into sequential model or put in put them in order so that we get a better effect um, so if say I want to teach someone to run from from home to first all right when I look at an athlete run from home to first, there's two styles that they're using uh, out of the out of the four-part running running model that I use. 
phases one and two are pushing and cyclic pushing. So A-skips and Hot Wheels are two drills that we use. Um, there's a there's a mechanical motion that can be repeated that you can that you can put into your practice skills every day. The two drills, the two drills that drive me nuts more than anything, <laughs> are uh, high knees and butt kickers. And I ask people all the time, what are you doing those for? Um, now sometimes they're done well and sometimes they're not. A lot of times they're done not. When I say um, Butt kickers, I don't mean the one where you point your toe and it looks like you're trying to comb your hair with the bottom of your cleats. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little more like the actual running style. And so it's, uh, I teach it in a way so that the arms are in sync, um, the, legs, um, the legs create the right impulse or, or spring-like reaction off the ground into the right position and wheel up into the box and then the style basically takes them out instead of them reaching and pulling and efforting their run, their mechanical motion kind of takes over. Um, I, I mean, have you ever done speed improvement drills where you can kind of segment uh, the sprint and then you know, you're kind of doing variations of that into high knees and stuff? I mean, it, yes. is it more for you? You don't like it because it's a biomechanical problem or is it just – um, there, I mean, I guess it is either way a biomechanical problem. I mean, are, are you saying it's something that needs to be taught in them understanding how their body moves or does it just be, needs to be, uh, basically progressed better into a high knee? Um, a little of both. Um, so it's a, it's a biomechanical problem, but when you're, when you're talking to kids about this, you got to make it easy. So. Right. If you talk to if you talk to a, a kindergartner and tell them they have uh, they have gum on their shoe and say hey when you're running hide the gum you know don't don't point your toe and let your foot go loose loose and floppy pull your right. toe up hide the gum right now 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 they keep their foot in the correct position to create the ground impulse you know but I, I can't go into all of the details I'm going to paralyze them right. um, so basics get put in but if um, you know, there's a saying, if you don't know where the target is, it's hard to hit it. Yeah. So if, if you're if you're having teams warm up every single day and you think that keeping the foot in a plantar flex position with the with with the leg casting way back behind the back um, is um, is something that's gonna help them run better over time. I I would argue that, well, that uh, that's the thing here. I mean, it's just what we're trying to build. Things people got keep an eye on the prize the prize obviously is the elite athlete and what you're making the point is in this progression if you're just locking on to say strength and you're like well, i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get elite strength in a, in a month you're you're going to bypass all this other essential pools of movement that are actually critical to actually building or converting elite strength into an elite athlete because I see it all the time. I'll get guys that they'll get their squats and their or their cleans really, really good. And then when we try to express it through the skill of pitching, they, you know, they look they, they look like they don't even possess any strength or power because their body doesn't understand how to organize it any other way. Right. Well, and sometimes they're not strong enough to also. 
I mean, th- uh, movement skills like maximum velocity or top speed right. um, take, uh, take a lot of strength. Now, for a baseball player, uh, baseball speed to me is a double or second to home, which is about a 60. Um, and when people throw stones at the 60, they say, well, you know, why is, uh, um, why is the 60 important? Well, the 60 is really the definition of speed. Um, to, to run as fast as you can for six seconds or, or about 60 yards is, uh, is definition of speed. Uh, at that point you can maintain your top speed for about one second and then you start slowing down. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the same model for a hundred yard dash or a hundred meter dash. It's, 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 it's pretty close for a baseball player running uh, second to home. They're, they're going to do four things very similar to, uh, uh, to a 100 meter dash model. They're going to push. They're going to cycle and push faster. They're going to transition up, and then they're going to hit top speed. Mm-hmm. And if those four skills are are put into their warm-up skills on a regular basis, and they start to understand them, and they can put them together, well, you got now you really got something. Now you have weapons. And one of my favorite guys, really one of the first athletes that had serious speed talent um, that really listened to this stuff was Brody Leftridge. He ended up playing center field for uh, for Tennessee. And, you know, Brody was a rep in high school was a weapon from first base. He was a, he was a six, three sixty guy. Um, the other guy played center field for West Virginia. He was a six, two, nine sixty guy. I mean, guys are like, wait a minute. I didn't even know guys could run that fast. I said, well, yeah, it's um, St. John's. Every guy in the field, every starter on the field runs, runs a sub seven sixty. And some teams are happy if they get a couple guys doing that. It's like, well, if you, if you run, Year-round and you practice running, you're going to run better, um, it, especially if you're practicing the skills that really make the difference in you getting there. Um, I give a speech every year to a, a marathon uh, uh, running co-op, and I ask them the same question every year. Uh, how many of you want to run um, a 10K, a marathon, or a half marathon? Their hands go up. So, all right. How many of you want to run faster? How many of you want to get to the finish line faster? And they put their hands up. And I said, okay, how do you do that? And I just let them come up with the answers. And and it's clear at first most of them have been employing uh, efforts that um, are off the mark. Uh, finally, I kind of guide them back to the two things that get people better. And that's moving more efficiently or producing more force mm-hmm. or, or both. And so the mechanical motions that you're going to use on your steel brake and when you're coming out of the box are completely different than what you're going to do after 10 to 15 yards. Um, one, of the, one of the best examples of this, I was at a Nationals game with uh, one, of my, one, of my college, uh, one of my college housemates. Um, very interesting uh, 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 college housemates. One became one was a trainer for the Steelers. The other one was a trainer for the Panthers, and the other one is currently the, the head track coach, at University of Virginia. Um, I'm I'm standing there with Mike, with who's uh, Mike Moran, who was formerly with the with the Steelers, and I'm watching Andrew McCutcheon run from second to home, and I'm like, wait a minute, and I I, I didn't I didn't know the player yet. Um, I'm like, who is who is 22? And he said, he said, oh, that's, um, that's Andrew McCutcheon from Florida. He's, um, and he's really fast. I said, he's not just fast. That's like world-class skill. In fact, I think I know who, I think I know who taught him. And, and sure enough, um, 
with uh, with St. John's, we had a tournament the next year at IMG Academy down in Florida. And uh, when I went to see Lauren Seagrave, who I worked with with Velocity Sports Performance, uh, Andrew McCutcheon's jersey was over his door. And so I, I could see the exact the exact skill model that this guy had been through, and it makes sense because uh, you know Pittsburgh's uh, spring spring trainings right down the road from IMG Academy, and, and they they control his contracts. So I'm sure those two work together. And uh, and this guy runs world class with skill that 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 it isn't just isn't just fast for a baseball player. It's it's fast for an athlete. Period. This is these are the same skills that I'm teaching to aspiring NFL football players, soccer players. It's the same stuff I worked when I used when I worked with DC United with uh, with really anybody who wants to go fast from point A to point B efficiently and keep shaving off time. Now, when you apply it into the game, of course, there's some differences. Um, and it depends on the style of what that that coach wants. But all of these all of this these movement categories, how you stop and start, and change direction, um, they fit into basically to me they fit into four simple buckets, and that's acceleration, maximum velocity, multidirectional, and recovery. And recovery meaning um, for a power athlete. Um, you know, around 60 to 70 percent effort runs um, with good pattern ends up being a, a neuromuscular regeneration tool. Um, so um, that's what I mean by recovery. The next bucket in the AMPS model is performance. Um, the the P in the acronym, which is taking these sequences. Um, let's take a Let's take a 60 race model or, or a baseball player running from second to home. And all right, now what are the, what are the separate skills that you're going to have to put together? Well, we need the steel brakes, so their so they're launch start, their push steps, their cycle push steps, their transition steps, and their top speed. So those are five different skills that now they have to put together in sequence. Now, some guys have good days and bad days. A lot of times with the younger players, their 30s get better before their 60s get better. Um, sometimes they still have to develop their strength. And then suddenly, when all these skills to come together, you see guys just absolutely explode. Um, I think, well, it was a fun conversation. It was um, 2008. Um, I, first met, um, I first met Mark Gibbs at... Uh, at St. John's through a, a, a common friend, um, through an NFL player that I worked with uh, who played for the Seahawks and the, and the Titans, he introduced me to a guy named Dwayne Flowers. Dwayne was working with St. John's, and he said, look, they wanted to develop their own training system. I said, well, I have a training system that I think will fit. You guys can use it in a way that's unique for you. And he said, well, you know, we had this guy, LJ Hose, go to the uh, – uh, go to the um, go to the Baltimore Orioles, and he had some speed, and we're kind of a small ball team, and so we want to build more of that speed, and we also want to cut down our injury rates. I said, okay, and they said, well, you know, seven seconds is the uh, you know it's kind of the model for baseball. You know, we want we want to get a bunch of guys that are run, that are around seven seconds or faster. That's that's fast enough if he's a good baseball player to be effective on the base path. And I said, okay, I said if I said if you do this right, you'll have ten of those guys by next year. And he said, he said, I don't think you understand how fast seven seconds is for baseball. And I said, well, I, I don't think you understand how, how slow I think 7-0 slow is for an athlete, period. And he goes, okay, you're on. 
And so I had to, I had to push a little bit because uh, there's a, the, the best athlete at the time uh, wasn't, he wasn't on board yet with what, with, with what we were doing. And so I had to take Dwayne Flowers' son, Charles, who ended up playing at the Citadel, and get him good. And then once he became the fastest guy on the team, then I got Bobby Boyd and some other guys to listen. And then uh, Bobby Boyd's uh, talent took over, and he ended up running 629. Um, which, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's insane speed. And when I talked to him when he was playing for uh, Quad City Mud, is it Quad City Mud Dogs? I, th- I think that's right. Um, it's a, a a farm team for the for the Astros. He uh, he said his um, you know his his thighs his uh, his adductors were getting really sore and he was getting really leathery and and, and and heavy legged. And I said, well, let's go back to your model for a second. When you make your break, are you standing up and cycling, or are you keeping your lean and pushing onto the gate? And he goes, you know what? I'm cycling. And I'm like, okay. So go back, work your wall drill, work your your um, uh, your sled drills, or or you can do that with a partner too. Um, I said, and, and get those push steps down, and then start putting your push steps together at about 10, 15 yards. Then get your cycle steps to to, to carry over, and then on into your transition and your top speed. I said, and that'll, that'll save your legs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talked to him the next year, and I'm like, so how did it work out? He said, you know what? He goes, my legs felt so much better. I didn't break down as much, and I kept very similar speed beginning of the season to the end of the season. Hmm. Cool. Like, right, because because you're because you're more you're more mechanically sound, and if you're more mechanically sound, you're taking on less damage. If you're taking on less damage, you can keep the pace, and you can keep getting better. And I think this is a mistake that's often made with younger players in that if they're not working on these skills, a similar way that a pro athlete would work on the skills, they're, they're young enough that they're going to heal, of course, but you're not really seeing the, the, the heights that that athlete can really get. A uh, great example of that is a kid named AJ Lee that went through St. John's program who moved on to um, uh, to Maryland? Who, you know, he got his Maryland commit, and then he decided he was gonna he was gonna really pay attention to his training and uh, end up being a, a six six guy, uh, um, squatted four hundred pounds, and this is a kid who's you know barely six feet tall, one hundred sixty five pounds, hmm. and his skill level was off the charts. You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a shortstop in college now, and uh, you know he wanted to build his his uh, his skills and these patterns to a higher level, and so he just kept getting better and better and better. And that's what this model's for. This is for guys that you know are looking for something to catch them up, so they can make their JV team, make their varsity team, make their pro team. Uh, one of my all-time favorites is is um, Jamie Carroll from uh, when he was with the Nationals. Remember Jamie Carroll? Yeah. So Jamie Carroll, um, Jamie Carroll spent a lot of time, I think about six, seven years with the Expos. And um, he was in a training group I was I, I had with Brendan Harris um, and uh, Daryl Ward for a little while before those guys got traded. And Jamie's in town, and he, Jamie was a toe pointer. Um, 
I know this because I was a toe pointer and I would roll my ankles all over the place when I played college football and I didn't know why. Um, and he was talking about the ankle braces that he wore and on the, on the, on the AstroTurf in Houston, he, he's like, yeah. And then this little scene in the turf got me and I'm, I'm shaking my head going, uh, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it was the turf. I think it's the way you run. See all of his injuries, uh, look consistent with what happens with guys that point their toes when they run and overstride. Mm-hmm. They pull themselves down the track or bound down the, down the base path. So I got pitchers who do the same. Yeah. And, and when I use running biomechanics for pitchers, I keep on reminding them, Hey guys, um, I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Billy Wagner's quote on this. And this is, you know, if you signed up to be a pitcher, you signed up to be on the damn cross country team. Right. Like, right. It's a tool that's going to be used to push your fitness. And if you don't run well, you're going to get, um, patellar tendonitis and, 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 and aches and pains. Now your running is going to damage you more. Mm-hmm. You need to run efficiently for that to be mm-hmm. useful mm-hmm. to you. And that's, and, and that's something that's really picked up at St. John's the last couple of years. And what's, what's worked out for them is when they hit the end of the season healthy, when they get into uh, to postseason play, and they have a healthy bullpen, and other teams are breaking down, it's tough to tough to stay with them. Yeah. You, usually, by the end of the season, is the fastest they're running the entire year too, because their skills just keep getting better. And that's because there's a constant mindful focus on what they're doing, why they're doing it, where the target is, and trying to put things into sequence. And this is the exact model that they use. It's the same one that. Um, uh, the same model that we tried to put in play with the uh, University of Virginia track. Um, I, uh, I got, had some time to work with my, my old roommate, Brian Fetzer, at University of Virginia. So I've been on staff with them for the last four or five years. And, you know, he's, he's, he's employed some of those things there. It, it's, just, it's just the way he does things anyway. So we just, you know, got into it and looked at the model and, and come up with more and more ways of breaking it down and simplifying it with the short time that uh, – College athletes have to work on these skills. Um, but for Jamie Carroll, back to him, he got on the track and he, he made he made a comment to me that I've never forgot. He said, he said, you know, sometimes I feel like I know by my first or second step if I'm gonna get the bag or not. And I said, Well, sure, you probably accidentally figured out how to do it right once or once or twice, and you felt the difference. You felt the spring and the push that you got with good steps. You just don't know how to recreate it consistently. Yeah. He's like, Yeah, actually that makes sense. I'm like, yes. I said, let's go back, let's go back to the definition of fitness. Does fitness mean that you look like something so that you can, you know, take your shirt off and be on the cover of a magazine? Or does it mean that you can you can exist and thrive within a particular environment and reproduce the the, the scientific definition, which in this case you're you're trying to recreate um, a mechanical model, a performance model, and you're trying to recreate it over and over and over. So he got better at keeping his foot and his ankle in the right place. All of his ankle injuries went away. He. Um, he, 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 he ditched his, uh, his ankle braces, um, got stronger and stronger in that pattern, got traded, of course, um, that year. After, I think it's like two weeks after he bought a house in, in, 
in Florida. Then he got traded to the Rockies. Their their trainings in Arizona. Um, but a guy, an infield utility guy that was um, that was basically injured for seven years. Who I mean, see, the thing with Jamie is he already had a nervous system. He was already strong, so he just had to get his pattern right. But this is what was holding him back. So he gets that pattern right, and that next year, he gets, he ends up batting, uh, um, I think, right around 300 for the season. End up being their leadoff hitter and led the team in stolen bases. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the thing that's really easy with the lead athletes is that as coaches, you just need to identify the places they're failing, and then you have to yeah. help them there. When you're yeah. working with a young aspiring athlete, you have to do everything. So it's like, I'll <coughs> always say. Uh, when I get the broken down injured lead athlete, that's the easiest project. I mean, to me, it's cake. It's when I have to take these young kids and build everything, you know? Well, there's a lot of things that I want to say to young players. I try to group my thoughts into principles as best I can. So as to not overwhelm them because a lot of this, a lot of the mechanical talk that we can get into It'll paralyze them. So I, so I try to. That's really why I created this model. Yeah, and, to, and also bring bring that into the color sequencing that you use in it, because that's that's why that helps you simplify it. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, to wrap up this 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 model, performance is either you're competing, you're testing, you're putting together the the sequences. Say, like for for a race model, second to home or a hundred model. Um, you know, it takes some reps to put those things together. Um, one other guy that I'll mention on that, a great example, is a, a kick returner for the Titans named uh, Darius Jennings, um, who took one to the house, I think, their opening game last year. This guy, this this kid was awesome. Um, I told Brian I wasn't going to work with any more uh, NFL, NFL Pro Day guys. And he said, this guy's different. This kid will work or... I said, "All right, well, let, let, let's see." And uh, and I spent one day with him, and Darius was special. So we worked on his on his on his patterns, and he came back after a couple of weeks, and he goes, "You know, all my routes are off. All my steps and all my routes are off." I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "I'm getting to my landmarks in like like two or three fewer steps." I'm like, "That's good, right?" That's, you know, that's, that's like what your tailor calls a good problem, right? If you have, uh, you know, 50 inch shoulders and a 24 inch waist, uh, that's a good problem, right? It's just, it's going to be a little more expensive to cut the cloth for you. He's like, he's like, yeah, he goes, it was just, it freaked me out a little bit though. He goes, cause I, I didn't understand why, you know, my steps were off. I said, you're more efficient. You're producing more force and you're getting there sooner. Um, I've sometimes I have to, I have to grab a video and show guys, um, there's a there's a uh, an athlete named uh, Josh Neal, whose whose dad was Tommy Neal, played running back for the for for Maryland. Uh, one of my favorite kids that went through St. John's program, but he was a he was a fast kid, but he stood up right away out of his stance, and he did did not have a good sense of his push steps on the start. And once he finally got it, I videotaped him and showed him his run to first. And I said, "Look, now take a look at this. I want you to count the steps." All right, now take a look at this second video and tell me how many steps you see. And he goes, is that right? I said, yeah. I said, so, so tell me, how many fewer steps did you take when you pushed out of the box? 
And he actually and he told me that he, he counted 11 fewer steps to first oh. base. And he was like, you got to be kidding. I'm like, no, that's how powerful this is. Right. He said, you really have to slow it down to see it. But I'm talking about you getting there, not one or two, but sometimes three steps, three steps sooner than you would have otherwise. Right. Think any play in sports. And it, I... I, I, I always disagree with coaches when they say this. I'm like, well, I just want to work on the one thing that, uh, that that applies to speed. I'm like, no, you're doing your athletes a disservice. You at least need to be working on two, the the, the start and the beginning, and then the cycle once you get going. Yeah. I said, well, well, how often do how often do we see top speed? How how often do we see maximum velocity? I said, well, that one play that determines the outcome of the game usually. Right. That's when you see it. And I see pitchers doing it when they're running poles after the games and sometimes for fitness. And when they do it well, they get stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And we got a guy that plays for Elon right now who was Gatorade Player of the Year a couple years ago who <laughs> – just amazing. I, he and a handful of other guys I just see just getting stronger every single week. It shows up on the mound. It shows up on the mound. They're not getting tired. They're not losing their postural stack. They're not losing wind, and they can just go and go and go and go. And when they're not getting hurt, they're getting better, and they're getting stronger, and they just keep dialing up. This is um, – I, I, my perception is this is, this is, this is uh, Max Scherzer, too, from the Nationals. I've, uh, I've, I've caught his act around D.C. running in the rain. It's one of the coolest things I ever saw. It was like pouring rain out. And I see this. I see this maniac running through the city. Um, I mean, it's raining hard. Like it hurts. It's raining so hard. And this guy's this guy's not stopping his running it's workout. Probably because that was a way to deter fans from in, in, interrupting his exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I always I, I always think it's 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 cool when you see when you see stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I, I I can remember over the years. You know, some days when it was pouring rain, but, you know, uh, a high school kid wanted to stay out there for 15 more minutes. He didn't care. He's like, come on, come on, let's do it. And, and other kids are like, nah, let's let's pack it up. I don't want to get well. Let's go home. Um, yeah, that separates the men from the boys, as they used to say. It really does. It really does. But uh, but you asked about the color code. Now, once uh, uh, the last the last letter in the acronym, AMPS, uh, Activation Movement Performance Strength, um, this color code applies really to the, to the movement. It applies to all four sections. Uh, but I'll, I'll explain it from the strength section first. Um, when you work on strength and conditioning, um, you, when people throw out the, um, the basics of say like three sets of 10, when they say, oh, I'm going to do three sets of 10, I ask them, what do you mean by three sets of 10? Do you mean three sets of 10 with a very, very slow action speed, say four on the down, two second hold, three seconds on the up, two second hold at the top with, you know, 60 to 65% of your max? Or do you mean 75% of your max at a faster action speed and it's a maximal effort and you're completely exhausted on the 10th rep? Or do you mean a very, very light load, maybe 30 to 50%, and every rep you're moving the bar or the weight as fast as you humanly can? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. What I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm speaking of there are the three energy systems that that run every athlete. Now your your system I. I've been a fan of for a while, and 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 I, and I love it because you have you have principles um, and basis of your of your system, you, mm-hmm. your your three X system. And in my case, it's a it's a five star system, and that meaning the five motor abilities that drives the human body that makes every athlete go, mm-hmm. and that's work capacity, strength, power, mobility, flexibility, balance, and tactical. Right, and. The work capacity, strength, and power, that's my red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. And that goes straight back to um, uh, two things. One, the um, um, Marines that, that I was able to start my start my business off of my first, first military contract. And also the, the military men that raised me. Cool. Um, that's, that's why I use red, white, and blue. Right. But the reason I use red, white, and blue is because I needed to make guys to understand what next so um guys will do it and then after doing it for two they'll start to see what i'm up to one of my all-time favorite guys is a kid named evan flax i'm now um it's called the flax iden flax iden award and that's um it's combined for uh for Evan Flax and his two brothers, uh, a, a guy named Matt Iden, whose mom was a was it was a huge huge to the program, who unfortunately passed away. Matt's now the uh, the strength and conditioning for the Nationals, um, and I got a chance. Um, he was just graduating from St. Mary's and trying to. to anyway, Evan Flax ran a nine freshman. I mean, sands of time slow. This kid ran his senior year in college. Six nine, his year in high school, and he ran six six his senior year in college. Hmm. He just kept on getting better. But you can't teach. But you can't teach speed, right? But you can develop it over time. Right. And this kid changes stripes. So when he's working on his strength, he's working on three different things. And he's working when he's working on his on his, his speed and movement, he's working on three different things. Work capacity, or what I'm calling red, is um, is the first model. Now Evan walks up to the weight room one day and says. Uh, Wait a minute, Coach. My legs from the endurance workout that we did on Monday, I, I, I can barely walk up the stairs. I don't understand how I'm going to be able to do anything. Said so, uh, I said, well, you know, just stick it out and see what happens. And when we shift gears into into a, into a heavier load model, he comes back. He says, I don't understand. My uh, my legs feel phenomenal. I said, well, sure. Pushing a heavy load worked out some of the. Uh, um, Worked out some of the some of the stiffness, and plus, uh, what you're doing is you're starting the testosterone cycle. Um, this is this is what a lot of strength coaches build into their systems. Uh, it's 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 integrated into conjugated models. Um, there's a lot of ways to take this apart, put it back together. But for the kids to have an expectation when they walk in the weight room, when they see the red card, they basically know that 
they're going to get their butts kicked. There's going right. to be a lot of the, there's going to be a lot of volume, um, and it's usually not a lot of weight. All right, when they see the white card, they get excited because that means they get pick, they get to pick heavy stuff up. Right. And usually, when they pick heavy stuff up, a lot of that they work a lot of that soreness out and they feel better. There's always that uh, that, that that great endorphin effect from picking up heavier weights. Plus, right. the, you know, guys usually like picking up heavier weights once right. they start getting into the weightlifting. And then the and then the third the third component is blue, which is what I'm calling speed, power, um, and and power potentiation. Which is all right. Now we're going to either use uh, contrasting uh, effects um, or complexing effects, meaning maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll pick up a heavier load and then do something very very explosive. Um, uh, here's a good example. In um, in the winter time, I'll use a movement like a quarter squat uh, or, or, or or bottom up quarter squat, meaning uh, rest the bar on the rails. Um, Put about 100 to 100, 140% of their, of their parallel squat max on there and have them try to blast it up for about three to five reps. And then take that enhanced, um, that enhanced effect and within, within 30 seconds walk out into the hall, get into a base dealing stance and blast out with those skills that they spent the whole fall, whole fall developing. And they come back with a big smile on their face. Like they just got shot out of a rocket. They're like, that was awesome. Like my steps feel amazing. It's like, well, sure. Because you have a high motor unit, you have a high control of your motor units. Your CNS is, is, is jacked up. This is the same reason why we put it, we put together blue workouts for pitchers within, within 24 hours of their pitch performance. If we can within 12 hours, of their pitch performance with something that's not going to make them so tired but enhance their nervous system um, for their performance. Right. And so when, when I talk about red, white, and blue, it basically in their work means uh, endurance, which is, which, is, which is a basis of strength, strength, which is a basis of power, and then power, which is a basis of going real fast, throwing, throwing top velocity, running it. Running, it looks up, like it, go, it goes through all those pillars – I mean, it looks like you're using the colors in each pillar, like activation, strength. Um, I mean, is it, does it, is that how it works? Cause like, that's see, absolutely, go ahead. yeah, yeah, no, you see exactly what I'm, what, what I'm doing. The, um, I wanted to be able to say, to make this very simple, which is where we started this conversation before I complicated it. Right. And that was okay. Uh, I want, I want say our pictures, for example, uh, I want to be able to say, you guys are on. You guys are in your red zone today. Go, and that means they're going to use the red choices in their activation section, in their movement section, in their performance section, and their strength and stabilization section. Because one affects the other. Right. Not a huge fan of making a guy run a country mile when he has to go into the weight room and be strong. Um, they cross over. I think one of the biggest mistakes is when I hear strength coaches tell performance coaches. Our performance coaches test tell strength coaches that what they do on the field and what they do in the weight room, uh, one doesn't apply to the other. That's absolutely not true. Right. One absolutely affects the other, and there's different ways to work on power. One way of working on power might be an Olympic clean. Another way to work on power might be a squat jump. 
Another way might be a steel break. Another way might be throwing a ball as fast as you possibly can. These are all these are all ways of moving explosively. Um, the reason why I like short short burst sprinting for pitchers, which is something I've used with a lot of aspiring uh, uh, minor league pitchers, is if they don't have the skill to uh, to do Olympic weightlifting. And and you know and here's 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 my argument Olympic weightlifting. I I, I know I see the posts that you put up and I love them on Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I teach Olympic Olympic weightlifting at St. John's. Um, we have the entire eleven years that I've been there. We've had guys that go on to college and they end up being the best lifter in their in their weight rooms because they have the skills. Mm-hmm. That's one of the one of the uh, one of the exercises that can give you one of the highest amount of reward, but it is also I think the reason why people get scared of it at times is it's one of those exercises that if you don't do it right, it can mess you up as good as anything out there. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just jump into it and do it. You have to learn the skill. You have to, it's, it's a very, it's, it's like pitching. It's, 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 it's very, very skill driven. And if you don't do it right, you're going to overuse some things. Well, the, the, the reason I like it is it, you know, you can't be teaching a kid mechanics all day long and, it's also a, a one-sided movement. You know, it's an off-balance out of, out of. It's not a symmetrical movement. So, like in the Olympic cleans, you can teach very complex, full kinetic chain movement through similar, you know, a similar expression of power. You're trying to maximize power, and and it's you know it's bilateral. It's symmetrical, which means it over time. It's not too damaging to the body i mean all movements eventually breaks the body down but so it, it's it's like an opportunity to, to basically teach an athlete a complex skill to maximize power and a little bit of healthier movement than pitching and then just show it and then just help them transfer it so you're not sitting there just throwing every day you know well you know what i i, I still like your comment from when we first met at gus kaplange's place too and that's when you're when you're working on that skill, all of the all of the the positions that you're getting into with Olympic weightlifting, you know, requires um, a, a sound postural stack, right. full mobility right. in your wrists, your forearms, your hands. You know, if you have limitations and you can't do that lift, and you can't catch the bar correctly, then how can you how can you get the ball? in a correct position to throw <laughs> and stay healthy, right? And, and, and stay healthy, but it, right. it doesn't mean that. I'm going to start a novice lifter and, and then he's going to get stuck because his mobility is bad or strength is poor or his proprioception is immature. And I'm just going to be like, well, screw it. Keep pushing on your cleans. No, that's why we do all the peripheral stuff as well, like you do, to help them break through those plateaus. Um, because to me, the ultimate assessment tool are those Olympic lifts. If I can get a kid, I don't care who you are, if I get a kid performing elite and efficient at a high level of power in those Olympic lifts, it's not going to be a hard transition to get him to move just as a lead on the mound. Now, there is, it's, it is a different movement. So there's something that could be serious limiting factors, specifically in the more lateral aspects that, of, of pitching. But the point is, is like that, that's such an easier transition for me than taking a guy who can back squat a house or who can um, – you know, uh, run cross country. Uh, th- those guys, uh, uh, they'll take forever to transition those guys into elite pitchers. You know, right? 
Right. No, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the complex skill sequences take some time to develop. So you use derivatives. I use, I use a lot of the derivatives some days for posterior chain instead of doing, uh, traditional deadlifts or, um, or partner leg curls. We'll, we'll do Romanian deadlifts. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up the bar from the floor similar to the Olympic clean on purpose to get good at that piece of the puzzle. And then once that develops, then they can do the full clean from the floor instead of just the hang power clean or the hang power clean pole. If a guy can't catch, we may only just work on the pole. Sometimes in season, if we have, um, um, if we have pitchers who, um, they're not good at catching the bar yet. Or they got weak upper bodies. Oh, yeah, we go, but yeah, we'll just we'll just have them pull. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is something that I learned when I was out in Kansas uh, years ago, coaching college football and track at Fort Hayes State. The um, the guy I was sharing I was sharing uh, some some space and time with is a guy named Chuck Tornier, who grew up in the Olympic Training Center in in Colorado Springs, and you know his his lifting his lifting mate growing up was Wes Barnett, one of the record holders in Olympic weightlifting. Uh, and, you know, Barnett's, you know, says, you know, a couple of, couple of interesting things that I hadn't heard. And that was, you know, think about putting your feet down right where they started. If when you pop your feet, you, you think about putting them down where they started, then they end up out just a little bit. But when you think about putting them out there, um, go, extremely wide when you catch yeah and just you know little little nuances stuff like that that guy that guy was incredible um chuck chuck goes hey you want to see something he brings in uh, a barnett and barnett uh, uh comes in and, and and plays with uh something like 375 four 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 hundred pound hang clean uh throws it up uh, about six seven times and then proceeds to push jerk it uh, four or five times, and, and then he goes, "All right, I'm ready." <laughs> like, ready, ready for what? what you know? And then they go out and they go out on the basketball court, and uh, he takes a running jump and uh, jumps over Chuck and slam dunks the basketball at uh, at six foot two sixty five with a something like a forty five inch vertical leap. And this is a guy who who played Division two basketball, but he was um, representing the United States in, um, in Olympic weightlifting. This guy's just an athlete. Um, and I'll tell you what, that was extremely valuable for me to see early in my career because there were some things that I got from these guys I never would have even thought of had I not been exposed to it early uh, in skills in Olympic weightlifting. And that's because there were a couple masters out there. Another guy living down the road was um, Istvan uh, Steve Javork, who has this book out with all these amazing uh, Javork complexes on breaking the skill down into derivatives. These are extremely useful in if you don't have a guy to mastery yet, there's still ways of training them and getting it done and fitting them into these, um, into these color models. Now, listen, these, these zones that I've created within the AMPS model, these aren't mine. These are just taking the rules that are out there in books that are written by guys like, you know, Mel Siff, um, uh, Vershansky, um, uh, any, any of the any of the other greats that have, that, that, that have put out uh, uh, sports science uh, uh, training books, 
Um, it's just it's just taking their rules but putting them in a in a model. And uh, you know, if you're going to work on things like derivatives, um, you can put a lot of them in to that red zone and start to build mastery while you know, making a guy tired, building, building the postural positions, uh, a bit and building the habits at the same time, then take some of the same skills and drills that they're improving on, then apply force to it. And then in the next workout, then go real fast or, or hold off until they're ready to go real fast. So, you know, it, um, it's, it's one or the other or both, but to me, uh, sport training for any sport, goes from general to specific. I'm generally going to be working on endurance, strength, and power. And if I'm going to be working on endurance, strength, or power, then I'm going to match it up with an appropriate warm-up and prep model. I'm going to employ some of the mechanical movement skills um, uh, and tease those up before I use them. Then I'm going to go use them either in sequence or challenging the energy system in the way that I want to challenge it and then go strength and stabilize it. And those are the basics of the model. And I just go round and round with that. Uh, um, you know, a, a great example is, um, is St. John's again. There's, there's, been, there's been some years in the past where I could predict what their training weeks are going to look like if we stayed to one colored zone for the whole week, or if we used like a five day model, uh, starting in, in January, they would go, uh, uh, and this is, this is hitting, um, all muscle group, all muscle groups twice before I switch colors. Um, red, red, white, blue, red, white, white, blue, red, white, blue, blue, red, white, blue, gold, playoffs peak champions st john's by the way is working on their sixth wcc championship in a row um and usually that's because they're healthy at the end of the season their bullpen is at full power guys are hitting velocities that uh, uh touching touching speeds that they um uh, just for the first time that season um their counts are up they're doing it safely and um you know, we're, we're trying to keep them within a zone and uh, dialing them up while employing a lot of focus on skill and uh, and athlete development. Um, that's that's one of the pieces of their puzzle. That that and the great coaches that I work with over at that over at that place, um, Billy's place too, in uh, um, at the Miller School. But that's to to me, that's the game. It's all right. Let me get together with the pitching coach, and what are the what are some of the tools that we can put into the toolbox? Some years we can do more, some weeks weeks we can do less. Um, but this is one of the best one of the best feedback comments I ever got. This was from a guy named Matt, Matt Chisholm with uh, track and field at uh, Cal Berkeley, and he said he said you know guys walk in the weight room, and I was uh, he goes I was using your model one year and. Um, the guys saw the red card and they just put their head down and they shook it. They're like, Oh, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my butt kicked today. He goes, but they did it. He goes, because they knew it was only going to last a day. And then when we, they would move on to white and when they move on to white, they felt amazing because they got that base in, they got through it and then they have to do it again for another week or week and a half. Right. He's, he's like, so because the guys had a simple expectation because of their color, um, they would, um, 
they would get through it. And they had a, a better sense of what's next. And, I, and, and he said, you know, said in, um, before that, he caught some guys kind of surviving. He says, you know, they wouldn't really know where it was going, and so they, they, they would save a little bit. He says he, he thought that um, that was one way to get guys to, to buy in and, um, and really push. And that's that, – that, that really kind of goes back to the um, – so one of the original reasons why I retooled this this program model over and over and over is I, I wanted a I wanted a way to really to really develop a deep level of buy-in. Um, I think there's some I think there's some great books out there that just that, that describe this. I'm a I'm a big uh, Maxwell Maltz uh, psycho cybernetics fan. Uh, I think Coyle's Talent Code's a great one. I think uh, um, I think. Gladwell's Outliers tells a lot of a lot of truth, also. Um, but you know, when when you consider deep focus, when you take, consider somebody who they're injured, and now you know they want to play this game more than more than breathe air, and now silent, finally they find the uh, they find the motivation. Uh, it's at that moment where now a guys will get a month's worth of work done in a day because they find a level of deep focus. And so what I tried to do here is I tried to build skills and tools and sequences for guys to tinker with skills, no matter what level they're at. And I say to my high school guys, look, some of these skills and drills are the exact same skills and drills that I go back, back to basics with, with pro players in the off season. Because their bodies get injured and get out of balance. And we go back to the basics with them too. Um, my work with DC United when I, when I first started working with pro soccer, um, I'm not a pro soccer guy. I, I played uh, gridiron in college. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at conditioning for a pro soccer team. Now I'm a sports science guy. But I'm still going back and I'm talking to as many soccer coaches that I can. And what every soccer coach told me was the same thing. The best players are the ones that have mastered the basic skills. And that's where I started. And when I look at the Champions League right now, I'm looking at athletes running around on the television that these guys are these – are, these guys look like defensive backs in the NFL. In the World Cup, the, uh, um, the, the forwards for Ivory Coast look like Calvin Johnson from the Detroit Lions. You know, they're, they're 6'5", 220, and can run, and they're boxing out a defender. The difference is uh, they're kicking a ball, and another guy's, uh, another guy's catching. Um, you know, so uh, the, when I look at sports as a whole, I start to see really more similarities than differences. Um, and so I see a lot of similarities with guys um, that are explosive athletes in uh, in power athletes in baseball, but also play football. Um, I see a lot of benefit with guys that are also wrestlers. I see benefits of guys who are basketball players. Um, and what I see kind of consistently is a lot of the best athletes that come through the schools that I work with, um, they usually are good at Olympic weightlifting too. They're usually, they're usually good at all of the things we're asking them to do. Uh, and that's the same thing the swing coach says at, uh, uh, at Raspberry Golf Academy, 
he's like the best. He goes the best at the best golfers that he encounters are the are the guys that were just good athletes at their at their craft. And there's a lot of guys that were hockey players and uh, uh, and other sports that translates to that sport um, <clears throat> because they didn't start with golf. They start with just uh, general athletic models. So this is a general athlete. This is a general athletic model that's that's made for development, but also <clears throat> streamlined and mapped out so that it can fit into a team's or individual training model from a very basic standpoint or from a very deep standpoint. Obviously, I've gone a lot deeper with with schools like the Miller School and St. John's uh, because they allow me to, and they they they, they bring me in, they bring me into. Uh, to try to enhance their um, their guys' athletic ability, <clears throat> they use that as a weapon. They absolutely use it as a weapon. I mean, I'm expecting to see guys see those teams steal around 100 bags in 43 games every year because they work on speed so much. And you know, it's just another way for them to engineer runs. If uh, uh, if there's if they're a stud pitcher on the mound. And um, they got to wear them down with uh, with small ball. They do, and then they, they then they try to go to work on them. And in high school, um, these teams have uh, have been pretty effective with that. Um, that's just one style, but um, that's just an example of where it can fit. Um, so to me, you know, <clears throat> I love <clears throat> I love seeing a track meet break out at a baseball game. I love seeing guys. Uh, uh, leg out and beat a ground ball to first base. When um, I see a, a, a gorgeous um, uh, technical running model uh, after a guy hits a ground ball, gets out of the box, flying, and gets faster on every step because he built that skill in the offseason, knows exactly what he's doing, and he bought himself some opportunity. But also, it keeps the pressure on the opponent and forces quick throws and mistakes and opens up opportunity. Um, when it comes together, the way these teams have used the model um, gets me excited because because they, they they found a way to change the game a little bit. They found a way to uh, to keep pressure on their opponent and uh, it was Billy Wagner at uh, uh, at the Miller School. He said, he said, look, he goes, he goes, some sacrifice guys, uh, because he goes, if, if, if you haven't stood on the, uh, on the hump and tried to do this, uh, is when you're worried about guys that are, that are, that are fast on the, on the he goes, just if you sometime, and, um, you know, so that's, that's one piece, um, I've been fascinated where it's uh, it's also been a tool for uh, for power development and recovery uh, for pitchers and keeping them healthy and helping them peak late in the season. Uh, that's been pretty useful too. That's that's kind of the that's kind of the the whole taco red white blue AMPS. Oh, good man, and and you know we're past an hour, so let's just bring it to a close here. Why don't you tell them how they can find you to, to basically, if they want to learn more or get involved with you, can you give them, give them out your contact info? Yeah. So I have, uh, I've created a site called amps, amps.academy online. Um, 
and uh, what I've uh, what I'm starting to put onto that site are the skills and the basis of the skills and drills uh, that guys can start getting getting to work on. Um, I'm available for uh, uh, for for consultation, um, but there, there will also be an online model launching very soon, um, and that's um, online membership. Um, I'm going to uh, keep the keep the price point under ten bucks uh, for uh, for online online videos of all these skills and drills that I have guys uh, put together uh, to supplement their training. Uh, sometimes I, I can do this with guys one on one. Sometimes in small group. Sometimes with an entire team. Sometimes for clinics for weekends. Um, uh, I, I do all of those all of those types of uh, types of events for teams that are interested. Um, numbers seven zero three nine six six nine seven zero seven here in uh, Old Town Alexandria, Virginia. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing it as well. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right.